0: Welcome, this is the Fly Fishing Journeys podcast with host Rob Giannino, where we have great conversation with really awesome experts from within the fly fishing community. You see, the fly fishing lifestyle is a journey and we're glad you're on this journey with us. Check out flyfishingjourneys.com for more podcasts and please subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Here's your host, Rob Giannino. Our journeys along the fly fishing trail have many different aspirations. Sometimes it's about being in nature and enjoying the quiet sport. Sometimes it's about the dream trip or that bucket list fish. For me, friendship and camaraderie with my fellow anglers has always been a big motivating factor to my fly fishing journey. It wasn't long into my first trip to Northern Iceland with Maddie that I knew we were going to be great friends. Matty has a great way about him that makes him fun to be around. But more than just fun, he's an incredible guide and a true friend. Along with all that, he put me on my first Atlantic Salmon, a dream come true. Enjoy this podcast about Iceland, a magical place, and about Atlantic Salmon, a magical fish. Have you checked out all the cool stuff Norvice has going on? They just released a Stormtrooper white and black tying vice. With only 10 made, it's a limited edition product, so check quickly as it may not be available when you're hearing this. Check out nor-vice.com for more information as well as their entire show calendar. Thanks to Art Hoffert of Bissell Insurance for supplying us with a giant box of beautiful blue neoprene reel covers. Come by the Fly Fishing Journeys podcast booth at the Edison, Denver, Lancaster, or Marlboro Fly Fishing Show and ask for your free Bissell Insurance reel cover. Check out their industry-specific insurance products at BissellInsuranceAgency.com. The show season kicks off with the Edison, New Jersey Show, January 28th to 30th, 2022. There are six shows as part of the Fly Fishing Show nationwide tour. For dates, location, and programs, check out flyfishingshow.com. Very excited to have Matthias Arson on our podcast. Just call me Maddie. Matty is what I do call him. Well, I can tell you what, it was an absolute blast getting up to Iceland with you last year, buddy. We we had a great time, a great week. Ben Frimsky, Joe and Jason Randall and myself yep. and yourself and your lovely
1: bride, Ragnar. We had an amazing week. And don't forget Daniel, my guy Daniel, who was an absolute hero on that trip. I mean, what a man. And you know
0: what, before I actually got up there, you know, Ben called me and said, hey, would you like to go to Iceland because we're going to do some fishing with Maddie? And I said, Wow, I've never been to Iceland before. I actually had a trip planned oh, oh yes. for some brown trout, but yeah. I had never been to Iceland. I said, Well, I guess what's better than one trip to Iceland? <laughs> two
1: trips, two so. trips to Iceland. Yeah, They're that's better than do. one, right? So exactly. That's, uh, two is always better than one. You know, it's funny,
0: Maddie, because when I got the call, I said to my wife, honey, I know I'm already going to Iceland, and I only have been back for a couple <laughs> weeks, but I just got an invite to spend some time with Ben, the director of the Fly Fiction Show, Jason Randall, and to go fish for some salmon, and I want to create more vlogs, or as you like to call v-logs. them, vlogs, Yeah. I want to create more vlogs, and you know what she said to me? I don't think you cannot go,
1: Rob. Oh, what a wife. That's well, not a bad deal, huh? No, you've got a good one. Uh, you know, it was a pleasure meeting her in Boston as well. And, you know, uh, her and Ragnar can have a lot in common because I've had that conversation over and over again. You know, there's nothing like having a spouse that supports what you do and what you love to do. And without it, you would never have the chance of getting anywhere.
0: So I was able to come to Iceland and had an amazing time with you and your team. I caught my first Atlantic salmon. In the same night, I caught my second Atlantic salmon, which was
1: the big fish of the trip, right? Yes, it was 88 centimeters. I would guess between 16 and 18 pounds. Nice female. Nice big female. Uh, we didn't weigh uh, we didn't weigh her, but uh, let's take 17. Let's take the middle ground there. 17-pound yep. female, fantastic second salmon. And, you know, oh, oh, the setting it was in as well, how, you know, it was the fading light in the evening. And it was incredible, all of it. And what pool and what river for our listeners to know where you are? For that salmon trip, we were exclusively fishing on the Miraquist, which I am lucky enough. It's my favorite river. I practically learned to fly fish there, and was lucky enough in 2013 to learn land the lease on it, which means that you know I am the river manager. I, I hold the fishing rights for a certain amount of years, and uh, it's more than a, uh, than work to me. It's it's a passion. Yep. that that river I've kind of grown with, but of course. As the year progress I've added a lot more options to my uh, fishing repertoire, is repertoire, that right? Repertoire, Is that right? You, did, you yeah. did very well. Okay, so, but that was the start of everything, and, uh, you know, my first river lease, and it was the river I love, and I, I love it more than I did then. Well, you are taking amazing care of it. I know you've had
0: uh, equipment in there. You've cleaned out some holes. You've done an amazing restoration job. And because of that, you've seen your Atlantic salmon numbers grow every single year to record years you've had the past couple years.
1: Well, uh, I wouldn't say record years because uh, back in the day when the uh, river was uh, worm fished, uh, the best year was 492 salmon. Wow. We are always striving to get it around 200 uh, these years uh i mean that's caught though yeah that's landed fish yeah uh, that's not necessarily full run no no and and you know some some of the uh, some of the canyon pools on there can be difficult uh you know a lot of the really big fish that come in early uh anglers tend to hook into them and then they take them for a hundred meter sprint down the canyon and we lose them so the numbers of salmon caught although uh, you know around 200 salmon is very good it doesn't speak for the experience that this river has to offer Uh, and for us you know when i started fishing there 54 marked pools uh, salmon pools on that river i might have known five that i could catch salmon in and then you learn more and more and more. But still, a lot of the pools in the upper beat were not productive anymore. There was no deep hole where the salmon would like to lie. And the salmon would hide under rocks. They would hide under banks. and It would be impossible to fly fish for them. Back in the day, they could run a worm under the bank and get a salmon out of there. You know, pretty shortly after I started doing this, I wanted to make it better make those pools sustain fish so we could fish for them and you know not have them hidden under banks and when we started we made a lot of mistakes we made a lot of different kind of pools and then we started seeing there was a certain type of pool that always produced after we fixed it so now we have a recipe for success we checked the statistics after this season the 2019 season and When we look at 2014, 4% of the catches were in those pools that I've now restored. In 2019, 38% of the catches were in those pools. Wow. So it's you know, th- those statistics don't lie and it's it's incredible to see your efforts turn into something great yeah. like that.
0: Well, I love to see somebody who's not afraid of hard work and I've been up on the river with you. We've been up early. We fish hard in the morning. Have our little afternoon break like yes. a good Atlantic salmon fisherman will do. Always a nap. you got to take a nap. <laughs> and then we get back after for the evening fish. Uh, yes. Uh, but you are not afraid to work hard and you have a beautiful lodge there. So one of the things I want to talk about is how Atlantic salmon I've never seen. We actually saw the book and when you land a salmon you actually put it in the book and it's recorded and it's approximate weight and size and these are the numbers that you have to report back and this is what's different about brown trout fishing I mean you can you don't do that for a trout here in America or even maybe in Iceland. You
1: no know, in, in Iceland we try to record every single fish we catch in every single river we catch and it's imperial to have good statistics so you can know you know if something is going wrong that you can react. So it, it's important we have, you know, I can look uh, on the River Miraquist, like I can look back to the 60s, and I can look at the CATS reports. Because it's all in the books. It's all in the books, and it's all online now, and it's it's incredible. Yeah,
0: and so that was something fun to see your name and your fish go in the book, you know, that's a fish that you caught. And, and just for the listeners to know, I mean, and for just like uh, two, three of us, four of us, we had four. We weren't all fishing hard every day. I wasn't fishing hard all day because you? I was
1: doing a lot of camera work. Yes, and yeah, uh, I admired you for that. I mean, you, you you had a you had a license for yourself. You could have been fishing hard, but you you, you know you stepped into that uh, role of wanting to document what was happening, and and uh, it was incredible for me to watch that. I mean, you were always so close to us. I had no idea the kind of material that was co- that would come out of it. <laughs> I was so impressed. Well, thank you,
0: Maddie and it, it was. Fun to do, and especially fishing with my good friend Ben Farimski, and it was yep. good to see him. The legend, the, the mink. The legend. He is the mink, and we landed 18 fish that week. And yes, just, you know, like I say, three, four of us fishing, uh, 75 percent of the time, and
1: yeah, sa- salmon fishing. A- 18 salmon to to four people in four, in four days is it, is very good. Very know? good. But you know, the, you you guys are all very skillful anglers. You know, it, it right. It, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy because salmon fishing is not easy. Well, it's not easy. And it was proven that it was not easy because we actually
0: yeah. lost a few. And oh I'll exactly. raise my hand. I'll raise my <laughs> hand. I lost about yeah. five or six based yeah. upon. Yeah. They tell you not to set the hook. <laughs> and they yeah. can tell you a thousand yeah. times yeah. not to set the hook. Yeah, but Until you, you realize yeah. what that fish feels like.
1: Exactly.
0: And you set the hook and you don't hook the fish because you set the hook you're not going to know salmon fishing so you have to bow to the queen or whatever you have to do. Yeah
1: I mean basically uh, the right way of reacting to a salmon most of the time is um, when you feel the take you should think to yourself hmm that was a take (laughs) that is likely a salmon maybe I should lift the rod now and then you lift and you've got that fish hooked in the scissors but Having uh, worked as as a guide uh, for over 10 years in Iceland, there is no one I've ever met who is a trout fisherman that comes and gets it right the first time. I feel better now. There is about three salmon per angler. And you can imagine how it is when we are doing our trout trips where this big Atlantic salmon have started running into the river and I find one fish... For that trout fisherman, I take him down. We are sight fishing for that fish. And I've told the guy ten times not to strike. And then, you know, the first feel of that salmon, he strikes. You know, you can, you can imagine the emotions. Well, you know the emotions you've got to deal with when that happens. You start questioning yourself. And, <laughs> you know, until you get your first salmon, it's like... You know, you go b- back into a baby state of, of a fisherman, like <laughs> You're so you know. Excited. How can I? How can I do this? How can I do this right? I gotta. I got the next one. I'm I'm gonna do the next one ride. I'm always I'm,
0: saying that to myself.
1: Yeah, but that's how it is. I lost
0: a few, but then I got a few, so that was you. Fun.
1: You did fine. You did fine. it it, it was a lot of uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a good trip. It was in late September. So although we weren't getting uh, fresh runs in from the ocean, it, it was around a n- new moon, if I remember correctly, and we were getting fish running from the L- big laksa and Aldal and from the canyon beach up to the upper half, which, you know, is, is a run in itself, you know, for, for spawning. So for those who
0: do not know, what is the, is the name of your, does your lodge have a name or is just Iceland fishing guide?
1: The Miraquist Lodge is, is the lodge that we have on the Mirakryst, but I, I think it's important to stress that uh, it is not our only option in Iceland. We have various lodging options f- uh, for our anglers that fish the big laksa and Adaldal. Depending on which beat they are fishing, we, we recommend different kind of lodging. And then uh, out on the Langanes Peninsula, where we have the tiny little pearl, the lone sow, the the farmers have this incredibly quirky and cool lodge called the Ithralone Farm Lodge. The lot is built from shipping containers. Two shipping containers uh, make up one apartment. Each apartment has a kitchenette, so you can cook your own meals if you choose to. But then they also got a bar and restaurant in there. Each apartment has, you know, pri- private bathroom facilities and a shower. You know, seating area, and it's it's really cool, kind of at the edge of the earth. You know, when we went in and. You fly into Keflak, and then to get up to where you are, you have to
0: scoot over to Reykjavik and then take the inner country airline. So you fly in with Icelandic air, and then you get on air, Iceland, or...?
1: Yeah, so that's exactly how you do it. We can arrange for a a taxi to pick you up at the international airport and take you over to the domestic airport. Uh, You can also drive up. I've built uh, countless itineraries for people that want to do the ring road, but still stop for five days and fish with us and then continue on their way so I've helped them out with you know, recommendations from a local from what yeah. you should see while, while you're there but that flight is an easy 40 minute flight up to us and when you book from the US with Icelandair you can choose Akureyri our hometown as your Destination. Okay, so for our listeners to
0: understand properly where you're located, you're located in the north of Iceland, where many other trips, you'd come into uh, Keflek and you'd start there. Yes. With uh, When you go to the north part of Iceland, for the salmon fishing, you have to take that domestic flight, that inner domestic flight, yes. and then pop up from Reykjavik, the capital, to
1: Akureyri. Yes. Akureyri. Akurey, very good, uh, very good. You're practically Iceland. almost...
0: And then you pick up right in Acquiretti. Yes. And then the trip starts there.
1: Trip starts there, and it's about an hour uh, to, to the fishing. It doesn't matter if you're going to fish the Laksau in Adaldal or the Miracrist, because the Miracrist is a tributary of the big Laksau in Adaldal. Yep. So these rivers are in the same area. Uh, if, you, if you're going to fish the Brunnau or the Lónsá that we have further out, we usually start your fishing trip in and around the Luxau and Mirakrisle area. And then if you're going to go further, then, you know, after two days of fishing, you might move on and go out onto the peninsula. And it kind of shortens the, the driving time in between these different rivers.
0: Well, one thing that I want our listeners to get an understanding of, when you're going to Iceland, especially when you're going to northern Iceland and fishing with Maddie, you're going on a trip where, I mean, if obviously it's fishing, but there's a high likelihood you're going to be getting into fish here because I know when you're going to Atlantic salmon fishing in the northeast and you might go around some of the Maritimes or Cascopedia or, you know, Prince Edward Island or a lot of these kind of historic northeast Atlantic salmon fishing trips, they come with a stigma that you may get one, you may not. I mean, you may get a huge one or you may get skunked.
1: Yeah, well, well, that is fishing, uh, you know, in, in its essence, really. But we were lucky enough last year, every single client that we had for salmon on the Mirakris that was guided uh, succeeded in catching at least a salmon. Many of the trips, like Sebastian, who was here earlier today, you know, he had seven salmon in three days, which is very good. And that's not to count the ones he hooked into and lost. Ben landed ten. He landed eleven. Oh, eleven! Excuse me. We don't want to shortchange the mink. No, no. The mink landed eleven salmon in four days, and. You know, it t- tells, you, tells you a little bit about where, where he is in his... Uh, skill level. In his skill level. He's an incredible fisherman, and it, it was a real honor to, to fish with him there.
0: Well, let's talk about styles. What are some of the styles that we're going to use when we come out to fish the Miracrist? Well,
1: yeah, if you're, if you're fishing on the Miracrist, uh, of course, everybody's favorite method is to get salmon to come up to the surface and take a skated fly. Like a hitch a riffle hits fly where we have a tube fly and we punch a, uh, we punch a hole in in the side of the fly so instead of threading it through the tube from one end to the other we thread it through the side and uh, it makes it skate on the surface then you know uh, we, we use uh, classic salmon flies which is you know single or double or treble hook flies even so this river the the Miraquist was wormed heavily back in the day and they would just lead weight and worm and roll it through the pools, and when I started fishing there, you know, and it's fly only and catch and release, I had to figure out ways of, you know, how do you get a fish from that pool where you have no space for the fly to sink and you get it to him, so I've designed a lot of different flies with different weights to be perfect for certain pools, and so sometimes, you know, we're, we're casting from below because it's a gorge. You cannot, yeah. get, cannot get there. We stand below the pool and cast a long cast upstream and strip the fly down. And very often you're seeing the fish come for your fly. It's making it even harder not to strike when you see it's open its mouth. It's taking the fly in, but it hasn't turned around. You want to lift to that fish. And, you know, no matter how good you get, I still having salmon fish, you know, on that river for so long. I still have the times where I am too quick, and, you know, nobody's perfect.
0: You're kind of perfect,
1: don't you? Well, yeah. You're close. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of very close to perfect, but not, not quite there. <laughs> well, you, you know, I'm very humble as well. Yes. You know, we share the same middle name. Oh, Thor. Thor. Oh, yes. It's my
0: Icelandic middle name. I've been, yes, deemed so and honored with the middle name of Thor.
1: Yes, he which is it's your honorary name. My uh, honorary name in Iceland is Thor, and I would like to say that I am that I am uh, named. My middle name uh, was chosen. Because of the old Norse god, Thor. The god of thunder. But uh, the fact of the matter is my father uh, loves soccer, and our uh, soccer team in Accra is called Thor. Okay, well...
0: To keep the joke going, when I go to Joe and the Juice, as oh, you yes. know, <laughs> when I go to Joe and the Juice, which is like their Iceland's version of Starbucks, but I think it's yeah. a little better because you have like the
1: protein shakes if you want to get a juice or if you want to get a coffee. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I, I'm a beer guy myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, when you go to Joe and the Juice and you put your name in for your coffee, that you give them a name and then... I always give them the name Thor. Yes, of So course. I know they have to call me when <laughs> I go get my coffee. So they always say, Thor. I'm like, yes, I am uh, Thor. I am Thor. I am Thor. I am the god of thunder.
1: <laughs> exactly. So it's yeah. fun, fun times in Iceland. Oh, fun times in Iceland. Uh, you remember, th- there is there's a tradition in Iceland when you land your first Atlantic salmon. Oh, goodness. You are supposed to uh, bite off the adipus fin and swallow it. But since we do catch and release, that would be very nasty. That yeah, wouldn't be very good for the fish at all. So we have created our own tradition. I'm familiar. Yes. So, so uh, whenever you get your first Atlantic salmon, there's a big ceremony at night where we give you fermented shark and a shot of Brenneveen. And I'll tell you, just when they take the shark out
0: of the refrigerator or freezer and they open the package, you know what you're about to do is not going to be the best experience of your life. Until it's over, and then you're so happy you did it.
1: Yes, and, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, people that believe in these kind of things... They do better on the river. Well, what happened to me? Yeah, exactly. I think you had like two pieces. You hadn't caught a salmon. I hadn't caught the salmon yet, but Ben
0: and uh, Joe did. Yes. And so they were, and also I think Jason. Jason had caught a salmon as well. And so everybody was enjoying their shark, and they didn't want to leave me out. And then you said there's a special tradition.
1: Yes. You said, I said, usually, you know, we have tried this before. We tried it with Adam from Hats Outdoors. He had not landed a salmon, and I gave him two pieces of shark. And the next day, he landed two salmon, and one of them was 22 pounds. So that's, you know... And what happened to me the next day? Well, that's the story, the uh, same story. I told you, you had two pieces and you landed two salmon and The next day. day, yeah. And one of them was 17 pounds, yeah. So I, I would say we have scientifically proven this. <laughs> you know, there is no... you know. There's you, no you, doubt. There is no doubt anymore, that works. I believe, yes.
0: Well, as you can hear and as you can imagine, going Iceland fishing... With Maddie up in uh, northern Iceland is an incredible experience and I just couldn't recommend it highly enough i'm coming back to see you a couple times this year. What I need to know from you Maddie is how did this all start you had mentioned that you've had the lease
1: since two thousand and thirteen you had mentioned uh, yeah well I, I got the lease two thousand uh, thirteen which so my first year was two thousand and fourteen uh, why did
0: you want to get a lease like what brought you the desire to be a guide and a, a
1: host. Well, I had I started, started guiding before that. I basically decided to start my company in 2008 when the financial crisis was. Okay. I, I had a you know good job and uh, everything, but times were tough and they needed to reduce everybody's pay and and I had I had to think about. What I really wanted to do, like, uh, because I know myself, I can take, uh, you know, 10-15% pay reduction, but I'm not going to give it 10-15% less. Right. So I really would fish every single chance I got. Uh, so I decided I'd become a guide, and I didn't really have any connections to get into this industry. So, but the internet was kind of getting popular at that time. So my brother is a programmer. we, we built a website and. It got started, and I started guiding, and I, I realized now that I didn't know a lot. I didn't know a lot about fishing. I thought I was a good fisherman, but I've learned so much more over the years from all the wonderful people that have visited me, and I've I've had the time to. I've had the time on the bank to learn a lot of things. When I started it, I didn't lease any rivers, and my motto was kind of that I never would, because I would only wanted to offer to my clients uh, the best of the best in each river and uh, would would buy licenses from other people for the tours that I did and because of my endless thirst for fishing I had gained relationship with a lot of farmers where I was allowed to come on their land and fish their rivers. Rivers that were not necessarily being leased out to anyone. And Sometimes I would take a few fish and bring to the farmer and he could cook, you know, and that's how I started. When I decided to bid on the Miraquist first was a long time before I actually got the lease first time I bid, I, I was in the board of the Akureyri Angling Club, and we had the highest bid. But we bid with this other angling club, and they, they were not all right with the rules of catch and release. So it kind of went out into the sand, and, the, and it didn't work out. The next uh, year when the river went out for auction, I bid again, but I put together a group of guys, fishermen that I knew, and we were going to take it together, about 20 guys. But the same thing happened again, not everybody was happy with doing catch and release completely, most people wanted to take something home with them, and so that, you know, we had the highest bid again, but kind of went out into the sand. When I finally got the lease, I bid on my own, you know, with those rules. I was happy I got it. You know, I was very nervous as well because I was supposed to pay millions to this landowners association, and I didn't know if I would sell it all. But it has worked out all right. (laughs) Maddie, when you think about some of the reasons why people want to come to Iceland,
0: I mean, it has a lore. People love to come to Iceland. Fishermen love to come to Iceland. I'm hearing more and more people tell me, they've been to iceland with their wife or they've been to iceland for tourism they didn't fish and they hear we're going to iceland and they want to go back
1: yeah i mean uh, it's wonderful being here in the u.s and seeing you know how many people have this on their bucket list and how excited they are about it i mean there's there's a few very good reasons to go to iceland we have managed our fisheries quite well uh, quite tightly Uh, since the introduction of catch and release in the last 12 years or so we've just seen the biggest fish caught every year gets bigger and bigger because who would have thought if you don't kill them they grow every year yeah Yeah, yes you know it's incredible that we just found this out yeah Uh, but also i mean it's one of the safest places in the world you know there there are no predators in iceland except for a polar bear every now and then you know yeah i think the largest mammal is a fox or something or wild i would say the the only wild animal that was there was the the arctic fox okay and al- although i joked about uh, the the polar bears the polar bears um it has happened you know we we have gotten polar bear every now and then over with the floating ice but they are taken care of as soon as they come and we have not had you know any incident like that we haven't seen a polar bear in iceland for the last 5 years probably uh, so we live in a country with no predators. And you no reptiles. No reptiles. You know, no, no, there is no nothing there. You it's know, even even the bug life is kind of. You know, we don't have mayflies in Iceland. You know. Well, I
0: said to I said to my guide. Yes. Oh, one time I got stuck. Yeah. I said, "Oh, I'm stuck on a log." <laughs>
1: yeah, and there's no logs. And, and
0: so this, they kind of looked at me and funny, but they never said nothing. No. <laughs> and then the next day, I got stuck again. I said oh shoot 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 I'm stuck in a log And he he looked at me funny, and he said, okay, let it go. And the third time, this is the second time that day, later in the day, I got stuck. I said, oh, shoot, I'm stuck on a log. He says, Rob, what logs? What (laughs) trees
1: have you seen? There's no trees in Iceland. What logs are you getting stuck on? Exactly. And, you know, even though we say there are no trees in Iceland, of course, there are foresty areas. And there used to be a lot more trees. A lot of them were cut down. But they also say, with the lack of trees, they say there's a beautiful woman behind every tree in Iceland. So, and it might be true. I mean, uh, we are not very many Icelanders.
0: How many Icelandic
1: people? We're about 350,000, and most of them live on the, you know, in the Reykjavik area, the surrounding towns, Selfos and Hverageri. So, how about uh, Akurey? Akurey is, you know, uh, somewhere between 18 and 20,000. It's a, it's a lovely small town, and it's a fantastic. Town for us to raise our kids. So. What
0: about the beauty of Iceland? Like, what about Iceland is so beautiful? Like, why do people come to Iceland for the landscapes?
1: Well, the landscape is so different depending on where you are in Iceland. Where 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 I am up north is we have these high mountains, valleys carved by subsiding glaciers. Every single valley has a river running through it. Uh, it's just a magical place, you know. Everything turns so green in the summer. We have so much geothermal activity. There's so much hot water that we heat all our houses with it yeah you see these long pipes that go along the main roads yes and and most of them are in the ground but you see a few and you know and it's incredible you have to cool down the water before you use it Uh, even the lodge even the Miraquist lodge has fiber optics wi-fi it's in the middle of nowhere has fiber optics the fastest wi-fi you can get It's heated with geothermal hot water that comes just up the road. And you know, we have a hot tub outside, of course, we've got to utilize this hot water fresh lamb for dinner uh, fresh lamb from the farm you know uh, close by uh, it's not all lamb we got fish as well and then uh, one of the largest vegetable growers in iceland is just down the road it takes us two minutes to get there we can go get our uh, peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers and and uh, kale maddie before we close tell our listeners
0: about the passion that these salmon fishing have i mean i've grown up i've fish for the past 20 years as a fly fisherman my first atlantic salmon fishing trip and my first atlantic salmon fish landed was with you last summer oh what a
1: fantastic
0: experience yeah it was amazing experience but i never had that crazy passion as i I have it now because i've experienced it and i want to come back but some of your clients are just passionate crazy Salmon Fisherman, tell me about that client,
1: like what is it about Iceland that draws that client to you? I I would like to answer that question, but a little differently, you know, I, I prefer to speak from my own experience. Before I started salmon fishing, I didn't understand it, but it's like an addiction. You know, the Miracrest, which is a fantastic uh, brown trout river as well, you know, and I brown trout fish and I brown trout guide there uh, a lot, you know, in springtime. But if I have seen one salmon somewhere on the river, I would rather spend a week trying to chase that one fish that i know it's in there then go for the brown trout that i fished you know maybe it's because i fished for them for two months before the salmon yeah. arrived but you know it, i i think it's impossible to put your finger on it i, I had a guy uh, an elderly guy from japan who had spent twenty thousand dollars trying to get an atlantic salmon it was his bucket list thing well, he had traveled to different places. I'm not necessarily going to, you know, name them here. And then, you know, he, he comes on a trip with me and he gets his first Atlantic salmon. You know, th- they are hard to catch. I yeah. guess that's it. They are hard to catch, but uh, but he ca- gets his first Atlantic salmon. And it's so amazing to be able to experience that with someone from a totally different uh, culture to yourself. It's hard to put your finger on it. They, they are just amazing. They are so big They're so beautiful, you know, how they've evolved, it's just so incredible how they've taken up all these rivers. Um, I'm afraid if we don't take care of our fisheries, you know, we won't have Atlantic salmon forever, you know. uh, And I would like to touch on one uh, thing uh, before it's over, and it's the fish farming industry. Please. Yeah, so, you know, we we worry a lot about the fish farming industry in Iceland because, well, we are lucky that most of our fjords in Iceland uh, that are... Close to salmon rivers are closed off for salmon farming. But in recent years, uh, the Norwegian salmon farm companies have started looking t- to to Iceland to expand their, their food production. And this is not good. You've seen it here in the U.S. There's a big sea lice problem where these sea pens are. And, you know, our salmon smolts when they come down from the river and they're going to start, you know, feeding in the ocean, you know, they have enough dangers to worry about, not having to worry about, you know, the sea lice uh, surrounding these fish farms and even just the disease you know, that are in these pens. Yeah, the uh, waste. Yeah, the, the waste as well because it doesn't only affect our salmonoids, you know, our sea-run brown trout and arctic char and salmon. It also uh, affects our cod fishing in our fjords. You know, this is basically the reason these companies want to do it in sea pens because it's cheaper because they don't have to get rid of the waste it basically covers the bottom of the fjords and many of these fjords don't have a lot of current so there's no way of cleaning this out however there are a couple of fish farms now responsible fish farms that have started farming atlantic salmon on land in iceland and it is that product is more expensive but they do really well So why would we be using an outdated net bag, basically? That's what it is. They give it nice names like pen, but it's just a net in the ocean that's supposed to contain these fish and take all these risks, you know, especially with Iceland being one of the last frontiers for Atlantic salmon. Yeah. There's no no reason to be using these uh, outdated methods, you know. You know, the fact... You know, how many kilos of wild fish do you need to make one kilo of found salmon? It's, I'm not so sure that's very sustainable. Maybe, you know, those fish that are used for the feed for the salmon, it would probably be better if we would just eat that fish. hmm well, I can, I for one,
0: Maddie, can tell you what an honor it was to be at your uh, fishery. You've done an amazing job on the Miraclist. You're Thank you. working very hard and you've seen great returns. Everybody who I show these video clips to, yes. <laughs> they absolutely love the river, just the way it looks. You have both the diversity in the fields, yeah. in the runs, in the pools, and then the canyons. It's like five different rivers yeah. in one. Yeah, we have the mouth where you have the big waterfalls. Yes. And uh, on the lake, yeah, on the, yeah, yes. the lake, so it, it was great. And you can fish for them with streamers. You can do your hitch. You can do your tight line. You can do your indicator nymph. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's
1: yeah. We didn't
0: talk about the flies because you got a snagglepuss or a <laughs> sh- a Schne- a, sh- a schnagelfelder or frankenstein, franken schnelder. Maddie, you know what? It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Fly Fishing Journeys podcast. Thank you. I really, I really enjoyed it. My first podcast ever. And and I look forward to seeing you on the other side of the pond. This will be our last show together, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to cry. I'm going to be a little
1: sad. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going home to, uh, you know, uh, have, be- have some time with my boys, you know, my kids, before my season starts on April 1st, and everything goes crazy, but it'll be an honor to have you come again, and, and yeah. it's pretty awesome that this is my job. I'm with you, buddy. It's, it's like,
0: it's crazy. It is crazy. And, you know, we've spent some time on the water together. You helped me catch my first Atlantic salmon, so I am in forever in debt. And I look forward to being with you again in Iceland, in the land of Thor, in the land of the Viking, in the land of the fire, the land of the ice.
1: Yes. It's a good time. Fantastic. And the land... from another mother. My
0: brother from another mother. Yeah. Until we see you on the other side of the pond, buddy, thanks for being on the pod.
1: Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to Fly Fishing Journeys with your host, Rob Giannino. To be notified of new episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You can follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. For past episodes, check out flyfishingjourneys.com. Fly Fishing is a journey, and we're glad you're on this journey with us.